So, uh, Romans uh, chapter 16, verses 3 through 5. Uh, Jason calls this the shout-out section of, uh, of, of his epistles, and indeed it is. And um, a couple of uh, shout-outs that, uh, that uh, he made was to uh, uh, Prisca and Aquila. Uh, the, we're going to talk about them a little bit. And I'm sure you saw the name of the sermon was a boy named Sue. When most pastors talk about this passage, they talk about the fact that Aquila sounds like a girl's name, and it's really not. So, so we, that was kind of a bait and switch. What I'm really going to talk about is their role as house church leaders and house churches in general. Um, and we're going to talk about how house churches evolved in the early church and how they uh, are applicable in the modern church and some of the features of a house church. So, let's read the passage. Romans chapter 16, uh, verses 3 through 5. Greet Priscus and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life. Not only I, but all of the church of the Gentiles are grateful to them, Also greet the church that is in their house. Greet my dear friend Epenetus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Now, the first time we ever hear about Priscilla and Aquila, and I call her Priscilla because that's I grew up with King James. Priscus is actually a more accurate translation, but forgive me, I'll probably bounce back and forth between the two when I recognize the right way and then when I go back to my old way. So when I say Priscus and when I say Priscilla, I mean the same thing. Um, we first hear about them in uh, Acts, and Dr. Luke tells us that um, uh, he was a tent maker, and he was from the province of Pontus, which is on the Black Sea. His, his Latin name was Aquila, which means eagle. Now, you and I and most Romans would think eagle would be a really great name to have, but if you're a Jewish man, being called an eagle is not a good thing. It was an unclean bird. It would have been an insult. So he probably picked up this name from his uh, owner because most uh, uh, Jews that came out of Rome were freedmen. These were men who originally went to Rome as slaves, earned their freedom, maybe even set up businesses in Rome. And as you know, the Roman, Empire, uh, the Roman emperor cast out the Jews around this time, and he was asked to leave Rome. And so that's when he and Paul ran into each other in Corinth. And so this is where Priscilla and Aquila's background. This is basically what uh, Acts 18, 1 through 4 says about them. After this, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. What is the this that they are talking about? Does anybody know? It was the uh, uh, sermon on Mars Hill. So Paul's big day was right after this, he comes down to, he departs from Athens and went to Corinth. Uh, There he found a, a Jew named Aquila and a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all of the Jews to depart from Rome. Paul approached them, and and because they worked in the same trade, he stayed with them and worked with them 
for they were tent makers by trade. He addressed both Jews and Greeks in the synagogue every Sabbath, attempting to persuade them. Now, this was a common practice in those days. This is how the church uh, got started in most cities. Paul would go into the uh, synagogue and he would start teaching. And in Corinth in particular, he was able to teach both Jews and Greeks in the synagogue. But as you well know, most of the time he got all the Jews riled up and they kicked them out of the synagogues. And that's when people started meeting in houses instead. And so we get a couple of passages throughout Scripture that talk about these house churches. And so in Philemon 1-2, to Apria, our sister, uh, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in their house. And in Colossians 4.15, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters who are in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. In Acts 20.20, we have, you know that I do not hold back from proclaiming to any of you Uh, uh, what would be helpful, and from teaching you publicly, and from house to house. 1 Corinthians uh, 16, 19. The churches in the province of Asia send greetings to you. Aquila and Priscilla uh, greet you uh, warmly in the Lord with the church that meets in their house. And one of my favorite house church passages is Acts 20, verses 7 through 12. Somebody... Uh, everybody, would you turn there with me, and we'll read it together. Acts 20, 7 through 12. On the first day of the week, when we met to break bread, Paul began to speak to the people, and because he intended to, have, uh, to leave the next day, he extended the message until midnight. Now, uh, we're not going to go till midnight. just want to warn you. We're going to finish up right on time, I hope. So he extended his meeting until midnight. A, a young man who was sitting in the window was, sitting in, uh, was uh, sinking into a deep sleep while Paul continued to speak for a long time. Fast asleep, he fell down from the third-story window and was picked up dead. But Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, put his arms around him and said, Do not be distressed, he is still alive. Then Paul went back upstairs, and after he had broken bread and eaten, he had talked with them a long time until dawn. Then he left. They took the boy home alive and were greatly comforted. Now, I don't want any of our house churches to be that long and boring that we put people to sleep. Now, at our house church, I've been known to do this. Unfortunately, Bruce is not allowed to sit in any cushioned chairs because I put him to sleep all the time. <laughs> he has to sit in a hardback chair. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll put Bruce to sleep. So, yes, that's what it is. I'm soothing and lulling, right. <laughs> but we also have multiple other examples of uh, house churches. Lydia's house church. Uh, an upper room house church in Acts 20 that we just, we just did, Priscilla and Aquila, Nympha, um, Archipides house church in Philemon. So we have multiple examples of this going on in the first century. And what was the function of the house church in the first century? How did that work? Well, basically, 
like I said, they originally met in synagogues. And as the, uh, the tension between the cultural differences between Jews and Greeks arise, the synagogues get upset and kind of kick everybody out. And that's how we ended up in house churches. So after they get kicked out, they start these house churches. And most of the first and, centuries, uh, first and second century churches were actually built on people's homes. They added on rooms. Many favored uh, putting in upper rooms, putting in a second story for the church on their house. This is Many churches were upper rooms as, as because Jesus had the Last Supper in an upper room. That was the most popular way to, to uh, build for a, for a church. And many of the first and century buildings that people met in were people's homes that had additions put on in order to accommodate more and more people. And in the third century, Constantine, the Roman emperor, became a Christian. And Constantine set up his capital in Constantinople, which is now Istanbul. I'm sorry? Okay. And... um, and he built a church there, and he built a church uh, called um, uh, uh, Haggai Sophia, which means the house of wisdom, or God's wisdom, I should say. In the third century, he built this uh, first church, and he built it on the ruins of a pagan temple, or on the foundations of a pagan temple. Most likely, the foundations of um, a Minerva's temple in, uh, in Constantinople, which was the Roman god for wisdom, Minerva. So, and thus the church was named God's Wisdom. And it was dedicated to the Logos, the wisdom of God. So it was definitely, you know, something that was, uh, uh, happened. But when Constantine became a Christian, this is what happened in many cities. They came across the pagan temple. They would rip off Apollo's symbol and put up a cross. And it became a church. And uh, this is when we started getting the church more institutionalized. And the church became more of a uh, building-centric organization rather than a people-centric organization. And it was actually something that I think over the centuries as it evolved became a detraction. So what is the modern house church? How does that look now? Why did that movement come back? And there is a, quote, house church movement where they want to eliminate buildings like this altogether. And every church meets in house churches. And I'm not sure we're quite ready for something like that yet. They keep wanting to go back to the first century model, and that's not necessarily what is going to work in our culture. However, a house church uh, is a place where people can come together and they can discuss the Bible they can share amongst one another. They can work with one another. They can uh, fellowship with one another. They can live in community together. And this is all um, uh, backed up with Scripture, 1 Timothy 5.15, Acts 2.46, um, uh, Acts 2.44-46, through 46, Peter, 1 Peter 1.22. Uh, and some of the features that we look for in our modern house churches are... Uh, the apostolic teachings, reading, studying, and discussing God's word. We see this in Romans ten seventeen. Um, consequently, faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes from the preaching uh, uh, of the words of Christ. And so, this is how we learn. Now, does it have to be the Bible? Not necessarily. 
It can be videotapes. It can be books. It can be uh, open discussions. You can have all kinds of means by which, but the ultimate thing that we want to see in house churches is that the teachings that Jesus taught us get taught again to everyone else. We also see fellowship, being with, uh, being with one another, enjoying one another's company, encouraging one another. Uh, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42, it says uh, they were devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship of the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Which brings us to the next thing that you want to see uh, in house churches is the breaking of bread, sharing a meal together, both socially and the uh, remembrance of the Last Supper. These are things that should be in house churches as well. These are some of the features that you want to look for. Prayer, of course, praying for one another, praying for the needs of the advancement of the kingdom of God, praying for the needs of those that are less fortunate than ourselves. Prayer in every way, shape, and form that you can imagine prayer should be in house churches. Being together, hanging out and living in community with one another is extremely important. Socializing with one another outside of house church is extremely important. And giving, providing for one another's needs and outreach into the community. There is always, I don't care how bad your situation is, there's always somebody who's worse off than you, and you can reach out and help them in some way, shape, or form. And this is something that they set up as, you know, most people separate this as worship. Praise, glorifying God through word and music. Our house church has been very lucky over the years that we have Bruce in our midst who can carry a tune. And if he can get the song started, we can sing a cappella like you wouldn't believe. But we need Bruce. If he's not there, we don't sing. (laughs) So, uh, you know, this is the kind of thing. But, you know, in my opinion, that's not worship alone. Everything that I just outlined is worship. And that's really what house church is all about. House church is all about worship. House church is all about equipping the saints so that they can be sent out to be salt and light in their community. That's what it's all about. This is all an act of worship. Coming together is an act of worship. And sending people out is an act of worship so that you can reach out into your community, so you can give, so you can love, so that you can share. You know, one time I was talking to a friend of mine, and we were talking about love, and and the opposite of that is hate. And I disagreed with her. I said, no, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. Because Jesus said that perfect love cast out fear. And it's hate that boils up from fear. And so we need to remember that we are to be the salt and light in our community. I can't think of a more appropriate time to put that out there than today. After what we've seen going on in Baltimore City, they're three miles down the road, the Baltimore City line, and that's part of our community, and I don't see any reason why we can't be salt and light to that community down the street, salt and light in this community as well. And I think the house churches, they, they, uh, they are the ones that equip the people to be able to be salt and light in their community. 
They are the ones. This is what it's all about, this, this house church community that we have. And we have a very healthy house church community, in my opinion. I think we do a very good job of bringing people together and sending people out. I don't know how many times I've heard of other house churches that have outreach programs that they've worked out on their own. It's not organized by the church. It's not organized by the elders. It's not organized by anybody but the house church themselves. They want to reach out into the community. They see a need and they address it. And I think it's incredible. And one of the things that I think that we take for granted here at New Hope is the intense work that these house church leaders uh, go through and what they do to prepare for a house church meeting and what they do to make sure that there's reasonable content in that house church so that the dialogue can continue and we can talk and break bread and fellowship together. And so sort of kind of in conclusion, I would like each and every house church leader to stand up uh, and, you know, we got the Jones Chastains. Can we have somebody representing the Jones Chastain house church? Would you stand up for us? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the polling Tuttle. Is Wendy here? Wendy? Thank you. Uh, Lefebvre's. Uh, keep standing, please. Lefebvre House Church. Marge, would you stand in their place? Thank you. Thank you. Ludwig's. Kendall, please. Uh, Hall House Church. BJ, would you mind? And I would like the people around these house church leaders lay hands on them. And we're going to pray for them. And we're going to encourage them. Get up, move around, get closer to somebody, put your hands on them. We're going to pray for these people in conclusion. In conclusion. So don't get panicky. Don't relax. All right? Please, please. Let us pray. Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, I thank you for your, your word. I thank you for your servants that are standing here I ask, Lord, that those hands that are on their shoulders and their backs and their arms are encouraging to them, that they realize that uh, they are loved and they are appreciated. And I ask, Lord, that you would strengthen them, that you would give them uh, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit to continue to lead our community through their house churches, that they would be able to equip the saints and they would send them out, that they would be makers of disciples and that they would be uh, encouraged in every way to serve you in a mighty way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, in conclusion, and you guys who are doing the music, you can come one up now. In conclusion, we are going to uh, uh, use these house churches to enable New Hope to be a powerful influence of salt and light in our communities. And uh, I pray that you uh, uh, are encouraged by my words. Thank you.